Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Better get into the right position here. So this is our usual Saturday morning little session. Try to cover a ton of information in a very short window of time. And of course, you know what the channel's about, and this is edutainment. So thank you all for being here. I hope the audio is working. Yes, it is. Woohoo. That's always a bonus. So let's jump in to this edutainment session. Today's little story, today's quickie, we're going to talk about Bitcoin accumulation, drainage, transaction fees, floors, realized profits, fear and greed index, and correlation. We're going to talk about Natalie Brunel keeping Mark Cuban honest. I had a little bit of a backlash when I went after Mark Cuban last week. Anyway, uh, Hong Fang uh, and talks about some new price targets. Talk about Amy Wu, $2 billion to spend. And then we'll jump into DeFi. So one of the metrics we look at is dApps by category by chain as a way of discovering which is the best DeFi protocol for the future. And we'll see what falls out of that analysis. Again, it's just numbers, nothing to do with me. And finally, the war is on for tech talent. So if you are a developer, I may have some good news for you. Anyway, let's jump in. So if in doubt, this one is real simple. It looks at the Bitcoin and the S&P 500 performance between 2018 and 2021. So for those of you who think Bitcoin is underperforming or whatever, yeah, it's a volatile beast, but it does really, really well. So it also looks eerily similar to how, you know, there was talk from the IMF that Bitcoin's now correlated to equity markets, and that's not a good thing. Let's kill it. Typical IMF approach, but no. The correlation is about a 0.34 correlation. And it's closer correlated to emerging markets, not just like things like the S&P 500. But it just, just look at that chart, share it with anybody who's thinking about, do I need a little bit of Bitcoin in my portfolio? Or should I just all be in equities? Answer's right there. So in addition, long-term holders are accumulating. Uh, this chart just gets greener and greener. This is from Delphi. And if you look at this chart, they basically talk about, you know, on-chain data. Yes, there was a slump in January, but despite the slump, the long-term holders did sell off at year-end, but beginning this year, they are buying again. So this shows the correlation of how the shorter-term weak hands are selling to the longer-term strong hands. And it's a very positive indicator for price as we go forward. Again, that when they jump in, when the price is low, when it's the bottom. So this is part number one of why I think the bottom is in. Part number two, drainage continues. It's <laughs> just literally crypto Bitcoin is leaving exchanges. And you can see that from the blue line on the chart that I'm showing right now. Also, the red line in the middle is the miner supply of Bitcoin. And this is how much they are hodling. That is going through the roof. So the miners are not selling at all. And then at the very bottom, the pure multiple, um, this one talks about how the profitability of miner reserves ties in. And when miners don't sell, it's typically a very bullish sign for Bitcoin. So bullish, bullish, bullish. Again, all in three little charts. What could be easier? Again, bottom, 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 bottom signals all over the place. Bitcoin transaction fees. This is another kind of interesting one it was brought to light. So, uh, and a big thank you to Sanjay for this. Fee revenue is dropping. 
simply because fewer people are using the Bitcoin blockchain right now, as was the past. Now, a lot of people think layer two protocols like Lightning Network on Bitcoin is taking away some of the transactions. And also money is flowing to other networks like Solana and Ethereum uh, and people buying NFTs, etc. So the demand for transaction fees for Bitcoin has fallen. But if you look at this, check late 2017, it exploded. And that typically was in correlation. But what this tells me is net net, there's not a lot of retail involvement in Bitcoin right now, which means we are nowhere near the top. And again, another bottom sign, you could argue. Now this one, another one from Glassnode, and a big thank you to Mick for sharing it and Chris for posting. This shows the level at which realized profit is taken. Now, if you look at all the big orange spikes in this chart, the little white line at the back is Bitcoin price. The orange spikes is when the dumpage happens. This is when big investors take profit and it typically happens. Now, what I see from this, and there are different ways of interpreting this data, but what I see is number one, we're getting to higher highs where the profit taking is done, which tells me the bottom is in there. Second, retail investors are not here yet. Third, we have a long way to go before this type of profit taking happens again. It could be north of 70k, I reckon at least. But we'll watch this carefully. It's a pretty good indicator to see when things are getting hot in the market. So next one is fear and greed. The fear and greed index for big, for the market right now is at 23 and we're moving up again a bullish sign the correlation between the fear and greed index and the price action is uncanny and look to back this up i spoke about this earlier in the week and again thank you to sanjay for sending it in this is from um i can't read the name who put it in a uh, check on chain um, and it shows you the action of where exactly the bitcoin price bottoms the six little red dots at the bottom and how they are typically followed by a big move up in price. So again, boom, 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 six, seven indicators saying things are looking good for Bitcoin. Now, shout out to Natalie Brunel. Um, obviously, I did talk about this when uh, in an interview, Mark Cuban, who apparently has 80% of his assets in crypto right now, which is very bizarre because he's been supposedly venture capital funding lots of companies for a long time. So I don't know how that happens. But I was a little bit upset when he came out and said, Bitcoin is not an inflation hedge. And I was like, what? What is he saying? Anyway, I did call him out in my video. And people were like, what am I doing? You can't call out Mark Cuban. He knows everything. He's a god. He was like, okay, well, Natalie Brunel had the courage to put him in his box. And this is the guy who <laughs> pumped a lot of Dogecoin. And after the fact, he admitted to only owning 500 bucks of it. So as sometimes Max Kaiser calls them, tourists. Now he does admit uh, that he does have 80% of his crypto. He let leak what his four core holdings are. And I analyzed them and they have not done well over the last year. Again, I don't know when he got in, but the type of things that he holds, I would never ever buy. So if you guys want me to analyze his holdings and say, why I would not buy them. Let me know in the comment below. I can do that for you guys. Now, Hong Fang, second lady of the day, she says uh, in an interview, getting to Bit getting Bitcoin to $100,000 is not a problem. Her exact words going to $100,000 Bitcoin price shouldn't be a problem. And she sees it happening this year. So that was extremely bullish. 
And a lot of people are calling for that, um, not just Hong Fang, but also people at uh, Fidelity and a whole bunch of others. Now, third lady of the day, her name is Amy Wu. She's from Lightspeed Ventures. Uh, I've pitched a couple of times doing them in my past. Uh, but she's been given a fund, a $2 billion fund, Web3 Venture Capital Fund led by um, FTX to spend. She has a team of about six to eight people and their focus will be uh, things like Web3, gaming, DeFi, etc. So uh, she said some great things about Sam Bankman-Fried as well. She said he's an extraordinary CEO and she's very excited to take on this challenge. And she also believes that FTX is one of the most impactful companies that she's ever had the pleasure of working with. So watch FTX carefully. That company's going places. And we'll see what happens. I think my, well, my hair looks a bit messy today. So sorry about that. Now let's talk about DeFi. This is the second part of the story today I want to share with you all. So first of all, Phantom, loan to the uh, LTV is exploding. Absolutely exploding. It went up uh, $1.2 billion or up 20% in a week. And this is from Delphi uh, Twitter. And that is a stunning growth in total value locked. And it's calculated by multiplying the amount of collateral locked in the network by the current value of the assets. So that is stunning. And they surpassed 10 billion TVL milestone. So watch this space. But this triggered a thought is, should we dig a little bit deeper? Does TVL really matter? And if you talk to some analysts, some rags, etc., they say, yes, it does. So many measure DeFi in terms of the amount of TVL. Uh, but I do not think it's scientific enough or logic enough. So these are the top five players today based on TVL. Obviously, the 800 pound gorilla is Ethereum, 153 billion. Number two, Luna, 18 billion. Number three, Binance Smart Chain, 16.6 billion. Avalanche, number four, 12.3 billion. And Solana, number five, 11.7 billion. And then technically Phantom be right beneath those guys coming in hot. But is that the perfect way to measure the value of, or the DeFi capabilities of an actual chain? So this again, thank you, Sanjay, using all your stuff this morning. Uh, he sent this cool uh, tweet from Lao Lao on Twitter. And it was a quick map of where all the DeFi action is across all the top DeFi chains. Now, it, it is not comprehensive, but it's basically the leaders in the space. And those names include Ethereum, Avalanche, Phantom, Near Protocol, Matic, Optimism, Arbitrum, Solana, Luna, and Atom. And he, what he did was break down all of the different dApps, the DeFi dApps, by category, by chain. And what I did was I took that one step further. I took those dApps and I gave them a weighting and a score and counted up the number of dApps and added it into a big cell. And that's what you see here. Now, obviously the way I see the DeFi world is the more well-rounded, the more apps, dApps you have across all the DeFi categories, the stronger the chain will be. And the more uh, suitable the chain is to handle certain types of things. So you'll see very clearly here, um, Ethereum does not do well in gaming. It does not do well in insurance, but it has the most insurance plays. Uh, it's also a little bit weak in derivatives compared to other chains. And that is kind of one example. Others are very, very strong all across the board. 
So with these weightings, a couple of interesting things fell out. Uh, things that were kind of very, very important to a chain were uh, I uh, items like wallets, liquidity, running actual exchanges, uh, derivatives, options, yield farming, gaming, stable coins, NFT exchanges. These were all kind of the top things that add the most business, like TVL, transactions, revenue generation, etc. And if you look at this report and crunching all these numbers, I wasn't sure what was going to fall out out of the composited score. But here, according to this, <clears throat> and I'll just say it anyway, number one, in terms of the breadth of capabilities, uh, Solana came out number one with a score of 306. Number two is Ethereum with 299. Again, Ethereum fell down because they don't have gaming. Obviously, can you imagine playing a video game and paying $1,000 in gas fees? I guess it makes sense. It wouldn't work. Uh, number two, or sorry, the, number two was Ethereum. Number three was Avalanche. Came in very, very strong. And that was a bit of a surprise to me. Number four was Luna. So again, this is just one of 20 ways in which we look at DeFi chains and how to value which ones are most. But again, based on numbers, based on data, no emotion, no nothing in here, just numbers shows that these are the top four. Now let's look at how these stack up to inflation. Now you guys know I don't like inflation. So if you look at these top five chains, you got Ethereum, their current inflation rate today is 0.54%, but some days they are actually deflationary. Terra, 2.89%. They've got a wonderful burn going on. Solana, under 10%, 9.98% today, and going down all the time. Phantom, 13.85%. That's acceptable. I like things to be under 15%. And Avalanche, 32.77%. Again, I would be in Avalanche if it wasn't for the high inflation. I don't like inflation. But this is now bringing it back to my attention. How can we overcome that high inflation? Does it make sense? Remember the number of what this means with this inflation rate, the number of tokens that exist within Avalanche triple every year. And that puts a huge amount of price pressure, uh, price suppression on the actual activity of the chain. So that's the data. We'll see. And in full disclosure, I own ETH, Luna, Sol, and Phantom. I don't own Avalanche. I did, sold it 50 bucks. So speaking of tech talent as well, this is a cool piece of news. Obviously, the war is on for uh, technology developers all over the world, and people want them in their economies to drive local economy and build businesses, etc. So Northwest Arkansas, or I always say that wrong, Arkansas, is providing remote workers with an incentive in the form of $10,000 in Bitcoin if you relocate to the region. And I think they're giving you a free bicycle as well. So it's kind of exciting. So We'll see. Is everybody going to flood there? So I dug a little bit into Arkansas and said, what is the advantage of living in Arkansas? Well, they have the cheapest real estate in the USA. Medium price of a home sold is 156000 Cost per square foot is $100. And medium rent price is 1000 bucks. So it is cheap to live there. But uh, I don't know if anybody's going to flock. Let me know if Ar Arkansas is interesting to you. And uh, I wish... Uh, other, I know a lot of other places are trying to attract tech talent, like the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, El Salvador, making crypto investors these locations very attractive from a tax perspective too. So we'll see. I think if Arkansas could sweeten the deal, well, we won't tax you on capital gains on crypto, but I don't know what their state tax situation is at all. Anyway, that's it for now. Hope you enjoyed the quickie. Hit the like and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks all, and a big thank you to everybody in the... Uh, 
comments as well. And the moderators keeping us all safe. Happy Saturday. See you tomorrow for the weekly Q&A where I answer your top questions. Bye all.